How's everybody doing this morning? Uh, as Chris was saying, my name is Patrick. I am one of the volunteers here at uh, Venture Church, and I am excited to share with you today because there's a couple of rare occurrences that are happening. Like, you know, last week or week before, if you went out in the morning one morning, you could see all the planets lined up. We went and did that. It was super cool. You should go read about it or something. It'll happen again in 18 years, so you'll be fine. You've got plenty of time to look that up. But this is one of those convergences where it doesn't happen very often. Uh, First, that Chris mentioned is that he's actually here and gets to hear me speak live instead of calling me later and be like, hey, I listened to your podcast and it was good. So I'll be able to get real-time feedback. So I'm excited about that. But also, last week, we finished up a teaching series. Uh, we finished up the, going through the book of Hebrews. Aaron did a great job on that. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to that series, it is a really worthwhile thing to do. Go back and, and take some time and, and let that pour into your life because it, it was some good, good information that I, I think is something we should all hear. Uh, but this week, we're not starting a new teaching series. That's going to happen next week. So Chris was like, Patrick, you can teach about whatever you want to. What? Like, that, this doesn't happen. Like, we, you don't know this, but like, there's a calendar. Everything is planned out. All the weeks line up. Everything happens. We forgot there was an extra week in July. So we're like, I mean, in in Jews, we're like, I I don't know. What are we going to do? So I don't I got it. I know what to say. And then I, I I forgot about it. Forgot that there wasn't a a plan. Forgot that I didn't know what I was going. And so I started to go, what am I going to say? What am I going to teach about? What am I going to tell these people? And I was spoiled for choice. There's like so many things I could tell you about, whatever. But, but I landed on something that, that I got to as I was hanging out with my kids, that I got to as I was spending time uh, pouring into them. And I said, man, this, I think, is what we need to hear today. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to jump right in uh, to this. And I'm going to start this way. I'm going to tell you this. Uh, I really like Magic. Look at all the shocked faces. No, it's, no, it's true. I, I really like magic. And when I say magic, I'm not talking about the, the card game where you're fighting against each other. Like that, I don't know why they call that magic. It's, it's Pokemon with, uh, with rocks. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. But I don't like that kind of magic. And, and I'm not talking about magic like wizards with wands going, you know, slinging spells. Although, to be fair, I do like that magic. But I'm not even talking about the big stage illusions like David Copperfield used to do where he would make the Statue of Liberty disappear or a helicopter show up on The Tonight Show. No, the magic that I like is that close-up, in-your-face magic. The magic that, that can happen in your own hand. The, the magic that you're walking down the street and somebody's like, hey, you, you want to you see a magic trick? I guess, I mean, that only happens on like the boardwalk down in uh, Myrtle Beach, but, but it happens sometimes. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do. Let's, let's, let's do this. And something happens, and you know it's impossible. You know it's a trick, but still, you're like, oh, that was cool. I, I don't know what just happened there. That, was, that blew my mind. And I, I, love, I love magic. It's one of those things that uh, because of I loved it so much and have loved it so much for all my life, I said, you know what? I am going to learn magic, and it's going to be awesome. And, uh, and so I did. I spent some time working on, on magic. I, I, my favorite magic is card magic. And I like card magic that you can do with a borrowed deck. And I spent a lot enough time, I mean, oh wait, not a lot, a not enough time. I spent not enough time learning and practicing and working on magic. Uh, but I did enough that when I was working at an elementary school and, and doing that, I could show the kids a trick or two. 
And, and there was this one that I would do, and uh, we'll, we'll do it real quick for you right here so you can understand what's happening. Uh, so everybody see this? This is your card. This is your card. Make sure I know what it is. Yeah, okay, it's, it's, that's your card. Uh, all right, so this is what I would tell them. I'd say if you want to do magic, what you got to learn how to do is shuffle, right? You got to learn how to shuffle because if you shuffle the deck, then they know that the card is lost. They know that there's no way that you can know where the card is, that I have lost it completely. I, I don't know where your card is. And so you shuffle. I say, well, it's like, well, that shuffle isn't working. All right, let me do a different shuffle. And I would do a different shuffle. And I would do a riffle shuffle. And I'd say, if you shuffle three times with a riffle shuffle, two, when I practiced this last night, I did it up here on my chest, and I was like, man, it's going to be loud in the microphone. Uh, three riffle shuffles, and now your card is completely lost. There's no way that I can know where your card is because the deck is as mixed as it can possibly get. And I say, but if I really want to lose your card, if I really want to make sure I don't know where it is, I, I do a sloppy shuffle. Favorite shuffle ever. This is the shuffle that you do when you are like, I just got to shuffle them. And it's when you take some cards and you go one way, you take some cards and you go the other way, and you just mix them up all the way through the deck so that you end up with some cards that are going back to face. Some cards, oh, they're going face to back. And every once in a while, you'll get one that it's back to back. And when you do that, you know that you've really lost it. See, it's gone. It's, it's lost. Watch this, though. All of them, except your card, are back in the right order. And that would blow their little minds. It would, I mean, they would go, oh, Mr. Harris. And I'm telling you, I did that trick for them probably 200 times. Like, every time. And they're just like, oh my gosh, Mr. Harrison, Mr. Harrison, how did you do that? You are a real, real wizard. I mean, they, they loved it. My kids, in fact, my own children, as we started reading Hogwarts or uh, Harry Potter and learning about Hogwarts, they thought they were going to get a letter from Hogwarts because their dad was a real wizard. <laughs> like some of you right now are like that. I know exactly what you did. That wasn't even a really good trick. And some of you are like, oh, I, I agree. That was awesome. But the thing is, kids believe that kind of stuff because they're kids, because that's how they're made. That's how they're built. They trust the things that we tell them. They believe the things that we say, this is what is true. That's why our kids believe in that chubby chimney elf that drops the presents. That's why they believe that a rabbit can lay eggs in the yard and it turns into candy. Like, because we tell them that and their kids are like, hey, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, I trust you. I believe that. Awesome. And if you don't believe that kids have the ultimate trust, here's what I want you to do. Just wait until they fall asleep and go pick them up to move them somewhere. One of two things is going to happen. Either that kid is going to just stay floppy and stay asleep because they trust you so much, or they're going to wake up and they're going to say, excuse me, mother, father, what might be happening here? Why are you moving me? Which sounds a lot like, what? And when you say, no, it's okay, I got you. Shh. They just go right back to sleep because they trust you. They, they know that I wouldn't be getting moved right now if it wasn't important. My mom and dad got me. It's, it's good. Try that with me one time. Like, wait till I'm asleep and go try and pick me up and move me. I can guarantee you that, shh, Patrick, it's okay. I got you. Is not going to be enough to explain the situation. That's just not going to happen. I, and I sleep like a bear in winter. I, it's still, I, if I wake up, it's, it's done. But that trust of a child is so big and so huge. And, and that's what I want to talk about today. 
the, the way that a child believes. Uh, every week at Venture, we, we want to look in the Bible for the important things that God has to teach us and show us. And we're going to do that in just a second. We're going to go in Mark chapter 10 to a moment in Jesus's life when he is, is sharing something. Uh, if you don't have a Bible uh, that's a good, easy, readable version of the Bible, over here on this little shelf beside the sign that says Connection Hub, there are uh, Bibles there. You can grab one. You can use it for just today. Or if you want to, if you write your name in it, and take it with you, nobody will know. No, I'm just kidding. It's free. Take it. We want you to have that. It's, it's good for you to have a good readable version of the Bible. But we're going to be in Mark chapter 10, and I want to set this up for just a second because there's a cool thing that's happening in Mark 10. Just before this moment in Mark chapter 9, Jesus has gone up on top of a mountain there in, in uh, Israel and, and has shown more of his glory to his disciples than he'd ever shown before. Moses and Elijah come down and hang out with them, and Jesus is literally glowing. You know, it says that his clothes were whiter than anyone could ever wash them, which I, I like, that's how the uh, New Living Translation translated it, whiter than anyone could ever wash them. And Jesus shows that he is divine. And then he comes down from the mountain with his couple of disciples and finds other disciples that are unable to cast a demon out of a guy. And he's foaming, on the, uh, foaming at the mouth on the ground and can't talk. And Jesus is like, if you just had enough faith, you'd be able to do it. And he casts out this demon. And then he keeps going and a bunch of uh, the teachers of the law come and find him. And they're hounding him. And they're like, well, what about this question, Jesus? What about this question? And Jesus spends time answering them. And then he goes across the Jordan and he goes to have a little bit of a break. He's taking a breath and a breather. And this happens while he's there doing that. This is in Mark chapter 10, verse 13. It says, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. The disciples rebuked them. Now, a lot of people give the disciples a hard time for this. But I don't think that they were like, no, you, you can't bring your kids ever to see Jesus. Jesus hates kids. I don't think disciples said that. I think disciples were like, look, Dude's been having a rough week. Let him take a break for a second. He's just sitting over there by himself praying or, or listening or uh, teaching. I don't know what he's doing, but he's over there and they're like, just give him a minute. Let him catch his breath. Let him have a little bit of rest. And uh, Jesus overhears what's happening. And, and I love this uh, next verse. It says, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said, nah, mm, that ain't how this works. And he told them, he said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, and he placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. It says, unless you receive the kingdom of God like a little child... You will not enter it. Unless you have the faith and the trust that is the same as that of a little child, unless you can believe the way a little child believes, you will not experience all that God wants you to experience. You will not be able to enter in the kingdom of heaven. So how do we do that? How, how do we find that faith like a child? How do we receive the kingdom of God like a child? Well, like I said, I, I think that it means believing as a child would believe. Believing with the same deepness and the same faith and the same trust. And it's hard right now in the world that we live in with everything that people are teaching and the different directions that people are going to know, well, what does a child actually believe about God? 
And so I started doing some pondering on that and some deep thought and thinking. And, and here's what I've decided. I believe that is the innate thought of God when you first have the thought of there might be something bigger out there. So wh wherever you're from, whatever your background, whatever your religion, whatever your ideals, whatever you're being taught, that these things you kind of feel, oh, this is, this is right and this is good. And, and that's simply this. God is good, God loves us, and God is for us. God is good, God loves us, and God is for us. You have to be taught something different than this. That God is good, God loves us, and God is for us. And so what I want to do today, though, is take a second to remind us that God is good, God loves us, and God is for us. Because I think as we go through this world adulting, too many times and too many things hinder our thoughts of this, hinder our recollection of this. We, we're having to deal with stuff like COVID still. You know, we had a global pandemic and it's still happening and we're still having to get emails and be stressed about it and worried about it. And we forget sometimes that God is good and that God loves us and that God is for us. We have to deal with all of these gender relations and race relations and police relations and all the other things that are happening that the world is like, this is what's important. This is what you need to be thinking about. This is what you need to be looking at. And it helps us to forget that God is good and that God loves us and that God is for us. And don't get me even started on the fact that the cost of literally everything continues to go up. Just, I'm not, I'm, I can't even uh, right now. Um, but it's so easy to forget that faith of that child. To have that trust that's that deep. To say that I know without any doubt that God is good, God loves us. And God is for us. And I want to share this with you today because I believe that owning this will actually transform your life. Owning this simple statement that God is good, God loves us, and God is for us will make such a huge difference in the way that you interact with everything. Let me start off by sharing some verses drop some, some knowledge on you from, from God himself. Uh, first one I'm gonna share is uh, one that I believe may be one of the most taken out of context verses in the scriptures. You see it on everything all the time, but uh, I'm gonna share a little bit of it with you. And that's Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and the future. And people use that and they put it on, I'm not quite there yet, yeah. Uh, people use that and they are like, oh man, this is me. God is talking to me right here. God has got plans for me. This is, oh, they put it on their t-shirts and they got it on the wall. And you know what, scripture is good and you should do that. But this is what's talking about here, Jeremiah 29, as Je God is, is sharing this with Jeremiah. Jeremiah is sharing this with the people of Israel that have been sent out in exile to Babylon. And he's saying, hey, in 70 years, good things will happen. Jeremiah 29 10 is, in 70 years, this is what's going to go on. Because the false prophets were all out there shouting, hey, God's going to save us next week. It's going to be good. It's real quick. We're going to be here a couple days. We're going to be headed back. Babylon's not even going to stay around that long. It's going to be great. Jeremiah, the true prophet, comes and says, no, in 70 years, God says, I know the plans I have for you. And then he continues on, he says, in 70 years, I know the plans I have for you, I'll call you the future. He says, then you will call on me, and 
I will, you will come and you will pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. And that's what is going on. And, and it's talking to the people that are scattered in exile. But I gave a little bit of a, you know, harshness towards the people that take this verse and say, I think this is about me because I don't think this is necessarily directly about us. But when you have scripture and you're looking at it, don't take just that one piece. Look at the whole of it. Look at the context of it. Take it and compare it to the whole of the Bible together. And I think that when you do that, when you take Jeremiah 29, 11, and you compare it to the rest of the story that God has told us through the scriptures— that you can believe that God is good, God is for us, and God, has a, and God loves us, and that he does have a plan for us. Jesus, when he was teaching to a crowd uh, in uh, Luke chapter 12, he, he says this. He says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows you catch that, guys? You are worth more than sparrows, which is awesome. But that's, that's not even the best part of it. God knows how many hairs are on your head. God knows how many hairs are on your head. Who does that? Like, who takes the time to learn that? It's somebody that loves you. That's who does that. It's somebody that cares about you because you know the good things about the things that you care about. You know the stats of the best player that's ever played for your favorite team. You know when the commercials are coming on and you don't see any faces, and you hear that celebrity talking, you're like, oh, that's John Cena. I can't see him, but I know it's him. Now, you know it. You recognize those voices. You're like, oh, I got this. And you learn about it, and you see it, and your kids, and your wife, and your husband, and your, your friends, you know the things that make them tick. Because when you love someone, you're interested in the things that they're interested in. That's why my wife knows what Lego sets are coming out, because she knows. She knows i got to be interested in this. That's why all my kids have AC Milan jerseys, because they're like, I like my dad, and he gets really excited about this. I'm going to be excited too. By the way, they've asked for new jerseys every year for Christmas instead of pajamas, and I'm like, yes. Pajamas are cheaper, though. I'm just saying. Um, But God says, he says, I love you so much that I'm going to count every hair on your head and I will know when one falls out. I will know when one turns gray. I will know when you put some dye on it. I will know everything about you because God is good. God loves us and God is for us. And I believe because of that, we can truly believe that God does have a plan for us and that his plans are good. His plans are to prosper us and to bless us and to give us hope and a future. And when we remember that, When we truly believe that, it should change our outlook on life. It should change the way that we are looking at the world. Now, I'm up here today, I'm talking about being like a child and and having faith like a child and believing like a child. So you know I'm going to talk about Lego. And the way I'm going to do it this time is to share a passage of Lego scripture to you. This is from the Lego movie from the song, Everything is Awesome. And this is what it says. It says, have you heard the news? Everyone's talking. Life is good because everything's awesome. I lost my job. 
It's a new opportunity, more free time for my awesome community. And then it's got some weird stuff in the middle about dipping the body. I don't know even what's happening there. But then it goes to the last, it says, I stepped in mud, new brown shoes. It's awesome to win and it's awesome to lose. This is what happens. When you believe that God is good, that God loves you and that God is for you, then you now have this idea that everything is awesome, that everything is working to you. It's an attitude shift. It's a mindset shift. It's a lens shift of the world. And you put on those God loves me colored glasses and everything is different. Just like Paul said though in Romans 8, 31, he says, what shall we say in response to these things? Or in the New Living Translation, it says, what should we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for you, if God is on your side, if God really loves you and God is really good, if God really has those plans to bless you and to prosper you and to bring you hope and a future, it will make a difference in your life. And when you own it, when you bring it into yourself and you say, this is the first thing I'm gonna remember every morning, that God is good, God loves me and God is for me every day, then it's gonna change what you do. And I've got three things I'm gonna teach you today, just three. There's so many. I could have gone on for days, but there's three that I'm going to talk about today that should change when you recognize that God is good, God loves you, and God is for you. Number one is this. We will run to God instead of from God when we fall short. We will run to God instead of from God when we fall short. Unfortunately, when we don't trust God with the faith of a child and we fall we fail, we mess up, we sin we stumble, we, we do whatever word it is that you use in your vocabulary that says you worked against God our innate nature is to go, oh man, let me get out of here let me, let me pull away just like Adam and Eve did in the garden in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve are just eaten from the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil and God comes to find them and says where are you? And Adam replies, he says, I I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid because I was afraid because I was naked. And this is exactly what we do, isn't it? When we we mess up, we, whether it's big or small, we find it hard to, to get into the word and really understand what's happening. We find it hard to sit down and really pray to God and pour out our heart to him. We, we find it hard to connect with the people that are in the body of Christ because we feel like our sin is so big and present and visible. But friends, God is good. God loves us and God is for us. When you start following him, when you are baptized into his death, burial, and resurrection, you're raised to walk in newness of life. But more than that, you are adopted into the family of God. You have gone from being whoever you were to being a child of God. You are a son of God. You, there's a girl. You are a a daughter of God. I couldn't find one. I was like, that's all dudes. Um, it's true though, every one of you, I can, I can take a second and I can go through the list. Every single one of you are a child of God and that is so big and so powerful because God loves you like a good, good father. Maybe not like your father, but like a good, good father. 
And he wants you when you fall, when you fail, when you mess up, just like I want my kids when they mess up, to come tell me about it. Come and share with me. Come let me know. He wants us to do that. Because he is good and he loves us and he is for us. And when we recognize that in our lives and own that, we will run to him and not from him when we mess up. Uh, Proverbs chapter 18 verse 10 says, the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. That's what we need to be doing. That's what we need to be working towards. When we do that, we're gonna run to God and not from him. But also when we remember that God is good, God loves us and God is for us, we will live from God's approval instead of for God's approval. We will live from it instead of for it. We don't have to struggle and work and strive to make sure that God loves us. We don't have to work hard to make sure we're being good enough and we're making the right choices enough and we're sharing enough and we're giving enough and we're caring. No, none of that matters. Let me, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell you this. I'm gonna say this and I, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. There is nothing that you could ever do in this world to make God love you any more than he does right now. There's nothing. There's, there's nothing you could do. There's nothing you could possibly accomplish Nothing that you could share, nothing that you could preach hard enough or sing hard enough or live hard enough that God would love you any more than he already does. On the other side of that, though, there's nothing bad enough that you can do that God will stop loving you. There is nothing awful enough or sinful enough or destructive enough that you can do that God will say, no, nah, I'm done, I'm out. Because God is good, God loves us, and God is for us. And he proved it. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, he says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still hammering the nails into the cross, Christ died for us. While we were still spitting on saying what God wants is not what I want right now, Christ died for us. While we stood in exact opposition to him with our choices and with our life, God says, no, I love you so much that I'm gonna make a way for you to get back. I'm gonna make a way for you to get back to me so that we don't have to live our lives going, did I, did I do enough? We don't have to live our lives going, did I accomplish enough? Did I say enough? Was I nice enough? But we also don't have to live our lives going, oh man, I messed up, God hates me. Oh, I helped the old lady cross the street, God loves me. We don't need that roller coaster. So right now, just everybody take a deep breath and just let out all the tension that you didn't even realize you had from living that way because you don't have to. God already loves you. That doesn't mean that we should stop giving up doing good things. Like we should still do good things, but not to prove to God that we are lovable, but to understand that God loves us and that means we should pour that out because he loves us so much. And when we remember that, when we remember that, that God is good and God loves us and God is for us, we'll run to him when we fall short and instead of from him, we will live for his, uh, from his approval instead of for his approval. And finally, we will be brave in the face of any situation. 
We'll be brave in the face of any situation, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what negative thing is happening, no matter what's blowing up at work or in our, our homes, no matter what our finances look like, no matter what's going on, we can be brave because we know that God is good and that God loves us and that God is for us. Romans 8.28 says this, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. He works together for the good. He causes everything to work together for our good. We serve a God that is so good that he's gonna take any situation and he's gonna make it good. Unfortunately, we might not see it. We, we might go through our world and have this thing happen and we never understand or know what it is that's happened. We, we never get there and go, oh man, I, I know exactly why that happened now. Cool, thanks God for putting that in my life. Like, we might not ever know that. We might never have that closure in, on this side of heaven. But we can trust that God is good, God loves us, and God is for us. And because God is good, God loves us and God is for us. He's working things out in our life. He has a hope for us and a plan for us. And he wants us to go out and to shine light in his word and in the world by doing these things. Not running from him, but coming and saying, I messed up. So he can forgive us. By, by living our life out and doing these other things to say, you know what? I see that God is good and I'm going to pour that out in the world. Because if God is for us, what could ever stand against us? And the answer is nobody, nothing. There is nothing that can stop the purposes and the promises of God. And if you're facing something right now, like I know some people in our church family are, that are struggles, that are terrible, that you're looking at it and you're like, how in the world am I gonna get through this? I understand. I'm with you. I've, I've, I've been through stuff. I got stories on top of stories I could share with you. But through it all, I know that God is good. God loves us and God is for us. And I'm gonna tell you something. If, if there is anything of strength in me right now, if there is anything in me that is character, that is real and true, if there's any faith that is deep and founded on, on God and on Christ, if there is anything good in my life right now, it was not born in the happy times. It was not born in the good times. It was born through trials and tragedies. It was born through God seeing that I needed something to happen in my life that I might not like while it's happening, but on the other side of it, I would remember that he was good and that he loves me and that he's for me. Because God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. As we live our life that way, that's what we wanna do. That's where we wanna go. So that's what I think it means have faith like a child. That's what I think it means to receive the kingdom of heaven like a child is to take the most simple, basic idea. And I don't know if you heard me say it today, so I'm going to say it one more time. God is good. God loves us and God is for us. And apply that in your heart. Apply that in your life. Write it on your house. Write it on your forehead. I don't know what you need to do. Whatever it's got to be, put it somewhere that you're going to see it and you're going to remember it because when you live your life this way, 
That is real, mind-blowing magic. Pray with me.